0: Job.
2: This is part two of Hump Day with Swanee and friends, Samantha Riches. <laughs> Fuck, you're struggling today. Dane Swan. And guest friend, the D's and pies tomorrow, Lyndon Dunn. Thank you very much for coming in, Lyndon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Woohoo. Uh, we we could have got so many past greats, Peter Moore, Shane Woden, Jeremy Howe, you, you. Uh, and now, it's a bit like Dane, but twice as much, you can do twice as many charity works Gigs at, at <laughs> for Melbourne and Collingwood.
1: Busy man this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: We're, what are we doing before the game?
1: Uh, I've got a function on uh, Bridge Road at the Sporting Globe with uh, Alex for solo, and then uh, I got him covered.
3: So well, well.
1: He's a good man to work with. I just yeah. uh, I'm, I just play shadow. Yeah. Um, it's always
3: the Fuzzy Boy. He does. He fuzzy does. Boy show. He likes talking about himself. Doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> at what
2: point in your careers do you start running around going okay? Now I've got to think about my media career. And when I say media, I mean charity career.
3: Well, I don't know how Faz has got one, but (laughs) I don't know. I just Whenever you get asked, I guess you do it. It's Mm. a touchy
2: point for for Dane because early last year, Collingwood put out Past Great's Lunch and and Faz was host and Dane didn't get an invite. So...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Swanee was busy somewhere else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> totally, <yeah. laughs> right so job.
2: D's and Pies, uh, where's the obvious question to start with? Where's the loyalty at the moment?
1: Well, it's the question I get asked the most. Yes. Um, every time I go and watch the Pies, I wear my Pies scarf, and every time I go and watch the D's, <laughs> I wear my D's scarf, but I go very neutral when they play, and I can't lose. Do Do like I can lose, but I can also win every time. So, Do you have um, kids? Yeah, three boys. What are, uh, who are they going for? Are they too young yet? No, nah, they're all pies. All pies. Yeah. yeah. Except, uh, so I'm playing footy at the Caulfield Bears and our song is the Carlton song. Okay. If you're trying to find the Caulfield Bears song on YouTube to listen <laughs> to, <laughs> to is not possible. So no. the boys uh, the boys are starting to sniff around the blues as well, which oh, I'm, shit. I'm not happy
3: No, with that. So no, no. I'll stamp that <laughs> out pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, what age are your boys? Uh, 12, 4 and 2.
2: Right. So um, – I saw you at the D's Coterie uh, recently. We host the Life Members once a year and I had Flemo with me. So you'd been been doing
1: some work at
2: cricket, is that right? Yeah, I was at Cricket Victoria doing
1: player development manager, which was great. How'd you get into that? Um, I think I just had good relationships with my PDMs when I was playing and uh, everyone sort of thinks when you retire that you've got to go into coaching if you want to stay in footy uh, or sport. Um, But the administration side and the player welfare side sort of really tickled my fancy and uh, I love my time there, yeah.
3: Yeah. What does a PDM actually do? It's all the welfare stuff off
1: off field or off the pitch. Um, So sort of where they live, the studies, um, extracurricular activities. Um, Yeah, it was great. What surprised you about cricket compared to the footy culture you'd obviously immerse yourself in? Well, all the, all the cricketers think that they would have gone top 10 in any draft yes. for the <laughs> AFL. Just the same as Swanee would know that uh, all the boys that play footy could have worn a baggy green, no yeah, worries, absolutely. batting left-handed or right-handed. <laughs> um, they they love their footy, um, but it was just great to get into an environment where um, it's still sport, it's still highly team-based, team, team based, um, but not footy. So yeah. I, I loved it, yeah. So I sent Dane a message mm-hmm. when I saw you
2: there, and so I wonder if you... Be good for the show. What was your response, Dane? You, can you remember that? I can't remember.
3: <laughs> been, I can't remember anything. We got beat on Sunday, so it's been a big couple of days. So <laughs> my head's a little blurry.
2: Right. Well, you did say, I like him, but I didn't like him when he tagged me.
3: Yeah, no, he did. He did He did tag me um, when he played at Melbourne a couple of times. He's big and strong, so I <laughs> didn't like the people who were big and strong because that was sort of my strength. <clears throat> yeah, It's absolutely. hard to
1: believe that I did chase Dane around because lo- I was a lot heavier playing fullback than yeah. I was when I was running around on the ball. Um, but – um, yeah, it was always tough chasing Swanee around that's for sure <laughs>
2: well, What was your memory of it? Because obviously you, you managed to put an imprint on the on the man's uh, brain
1: Well, I just remember playing on Well, Swanee's strengths as a player Where he's burst running Which clearly wasn't mine <laughs> um, And as Swanee said He didn't like playing on bigger, stronger bodies Because he once he got wrapped up, he couldn't get away, and that was the the aim of the game was for me to wrap him up and for him yeah. to run away.
3: So it was quite frustrating, yeah. So I'm probably sure I'm probably sure I said some mean things to him out in the MCG at some stage, yeah, and pre-show as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
2: and when I texted him, I forgot. That, so it was the sliding doors, so though. Your first year was the first year you left, yeah. So was, yeah, yeah, so it's when he
1: finished, and then I got there in seventeen. Yeah. yeah. So what was your what was your fir-
2: oh, I'll ask you obviously about the D's, but um, what was your first impressions of Collingwood and that? Different environment for
1: you. Yeah, I was at Melbourne for 12 years and I always wanted to be a one-club player. Um, But then I spent most of the year in the VFL in 2016 and knew that I had to leave because I still had something to offer at AFL level. And I really wanted to go to a big club like Collingwood, Richmond, Carlton after... Not a um, big club. And not <laughs> well, not a, a big, big club. club, but, you know, 15,000, 20,000 fans at the G, most of them in the MCC every week. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: it, Some of them there that did. Yeah, I really wanted to experience
1: um, yeah, w- what a big big club was like to play for, and um, I was blessed to go to the Pies, um, and literally they're <coughs> across the uh, across the Oval, same car park. <laughs> um, so it was a bit weird for the first couple of months, but just love the, um, how close everyone is at the club. It feels like a big... Local footy club, um, walking into the Holden Centre, as it was then, um, every day. And just everything, the best thing about the Pies is everything's your own. You've got your own gym, your own pool. You walk out up the steps to the Oval, whereas at the D's, we were all over the shop. (laughs) At Amy Park, out at Casey, time trials at Princess Park, trained at Trinity Grammar back in the day. (laughs) Junction Oval, where you had the big three asbestos rats and possums running (laughs) through the walls. So um, it was really nice to go to the Pies, and and it just feels like a big... Country footy club.
3: How big a difference is it? Because like how he's come over, Tay Adams from Jerry West, like going out and running out in your first game in front of like 80,000. When you like a draft call, you're used to it. So it's like, you know, Mick used to say blockbuster fatigue because we used to play in front of everyone all the time. And when we play in Melbourne, Mick would always just say, mate, it, the Queen's birthday, that's their grand final. This is what they get out for because they play in front of a big crowd. Is it a huge difference? Or once you walk in, footy club's Basically the same, or could you tell the difference going into a huge club where there's so much spotlight on you all the time? That's the bit. That's the hardest thing about playing for the Pies
1: is that every week someone wants to wants to knock Collingwood off because it is like a grand final. That know, in smaller terms. Um, So every week, no matter where the Pies are on the ladder, they want to get the team wants to roll them. Uh, But I think that brings the best out in Collingwood, and that's the way that they they've embraced that now. Um, And there's no doubt that the crowd crowds across the country are so much bigger for the Pies. So I played a lot of games at subi with a very very average losing margin <laughs> for a long time at Melbourne and I won my first game at subi the first my first year with the Pies and we had there was more Collingwood supporters there than Freo, yeah. and that's I just remember every time we'd kick a goal, which didn't happen very often over there <laughs> with the Ds, you could hear a pin <laughs> drop from from the airport in Perth, I reckon, um, but there was actually more noise when we kicked goals against Freo that day at Subi, um, which was amazing. Yeah. You just go everywhere and there's Collingwood supporters. Um, and and, what, and really hundreds good. at
3: the airport too. Like well, yeah. You get off the airport and there would be 100 people there, you have to sign a million cards when you get off the airport. I don't even know how they knew what flight we were on, but... I like, was just the power of. College. I didn't know anything about that, mate. That <laughs> <laughs>
2: what uh, What about the uh, the stars at, at the club, particularly when you walked in? So obviously, Ed Ed was still still in charge, and uh, and Nathan was the
1: coach. And obviously, by then, Pendles was already a legend. Uh, what, what type of impression did they give you? Um, oh, Eddie, Eddie was great for my family, and I still remember I played my first game after Anzac Day in 2017, uh, and my family was obviously there, and uh, they. Eddie saw them in the race just before the final siren went. We beat Geelong that day, which was it was a big win for the club. Uh, and my old man was at the top of the race. Emmett came and ran out onto the ground. My older son to meet me, and Eddie was just great at making it a great, a big local footy club, like I spoke about before. Um, and he's a great man, and um, you know, he's had some some times in his career that he's been questioned and sort of put in his put his foot in it, like a lot of people. But oh, I love the man, and he's been great for me and my family. Um, and Bucks was the same. Um, everyone's got an opinion on Bucks. Um, usually usually indifferent to most that have been involved with him closely. Um, but I enjoyed enjoyed both of them immensely. And Pendles, as a captain, is the greatest captain I played under. And I played under Nita and Brad Green and Jonesy at Melbourne, who are all great men and great leaders. But Pendles is just next level. Why? Uh, just the way that he carries himself. Uh, he's certainly very different. The way that Dane is off the field, <laughs> but he's happy to organise, you know, a good time for the boys, and then he sort of does a smoke bomb and slips yeah. out the back like Homer through the hedge. <laughs> but he's uh, he's always happy to to organise things off the field. The way that he brings the boys together at training, um, and his performances you know th- uh, for me, a great leader just leads game day and plays their role mm-hmm. um, exceptionally well. And he, he just knows does everyone that. else's role absolutely, and he just yeah. makes it easy for everyone to do that. I just want to uh, your impression
2: with Nathan as a coach, and he was he was here. Uh, what was that last November? Yeah. And and <coughs> just spoke about he, he got a bit of a hospital handball when he took over list when when it was Dane's team, and, and yeah. everyone was flying, and it was it was mixed mixed list if you like. He's he's spoken since about it in 2017. He changed himself and became a different person, different captain uh, coach rather. And, and you probably got the best of, of uh, Nathan as a coach, and he'd learned his craft by
1: then. Yeah, well, it's funny. Um, I had a lot of coaches in my career, more than most. <laughs> um, I don't know if we've got long enough to go through, them all, but, but um, so when I got to the club, you know, Bucks was a a new coach for me. Was nothing new, was nothing different, yeah. um, but there was unrest in the change rooms about Bucks, and a lot of the boys weren't on his side or weren't seeing the vision that he had or the way that he coached. Um, Which I was sort of impartial to, and I was fresh set of eyes. Yep. And there's no doubt that that year Bucks changed a lot about himself off the field, um, in the coach's box, at training, around the club, um, which clearly the results we saw in 2018 um, had a lot to do with that. Um, So the change that he put into himself as a coach and a person, I I 100% saw that. The group felt that, and the group needed that, because when I got there, things were a little bit tired and stale, I think, and had been done the same way for a long time. Um, and the way that he changed himself for us made us better and almost got us that success in 2018.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I wasn't obviously there in 17, but I was actually was with him last night. But, yeah, I think he first walked in, I've said this a million times, first walked in and we expected everyone to be Nathan Buckley and that to get the best out of themselves. And we all know there isn't many Nathan, well, there's no Nathan Buckleys, And what he did to make himself, you know, Arguably, Colin was great player was something that ninety eight percent of footballers can't do because he was just so focused and so driven and so hard working. But so he came in twelve and expected everyone to do what he did, and it just it just doesn't happen. And it obviously, took him a while. Took him what four or five years. But once the penny drops, it obviously dropped quickly, and uh, they transformed within what twelve months and were fucking a minute and a half off winning a flag, which is um. You know, shattering that they were in front for ninety five percent of the day, and minute and a half to go, and she kicks that goal, and that's the end of it. So, um, yeah, he credits him for like re- realizing it took a while, but um, stopped micromanaging people and starting to let, starting to delegate, and actually trusting the people who were at the footy club because they're at the footy club to do their job. So, um, yeah, he. I was disappointed. I didn't get to see that to coach, to have be coached by that Nathan Buckley. I got the one where. He was just so driven and so focused on everyone trying to be like him, and trying to be like, you know, so um, military-focused, uh, but um, it is what it is and you know, what can you do?
2: It seemed like he, in, for, as an outsider, he's spoken about it, that he, he embraced mistakes and humour
1: well, and in the second phase of his coaching. So yeah, that, Which absolutely. is what you got when you walked in. Yeah, here. there's no doubt that what um, Swanee just spoke about then, that he was such a good player and such a rare unit that you did, players aren't like that. And he didn't live the life as a player of the, you know, the small half forward like a little Jared Blair or a Josh Thomas. You know, he won brown lows and was always the centre of attention. He's Nathan Buckley, of course. So when he, when he removed himself from that and expected all the boys to be like that, um, he was great to have a laugh with. Um, you know, the coaches that he had around him were great as well, I think. Um, and that, yeah, that was probably the forefront for us changing as a team.
2: How did it work for you? And then, of course, as Swanny said, it was a, such a heartbreaking grand final loss. But your heartbreak was before that, in doing your knee. But how before you did your knee, you felt like you were in the zone there, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was nice. I was yeah. you know, I didn't when I came to Collingwood. There was a lot of questions outside about me being traded, whether I was um gonna get a game. I was bullish on what I was bringing and why I was coming to Collingwood. And um, as I mentioned before, I played my first game after the. Uh, Anzac Day game Um, And then I played 31 games on the trot Was in the leadership group And um, Yeah did my knee that year Which wasn't ideal Um, But still there's no doubt The 2018 Grand Final Was a highlight of my career Um, I'd never been to a Grand Final I always wanted to play In my first So (coughs) To sit in the coach's box That day um, And see what the day was about. I'm a footy nuffy from, from way back. So, um, But I was always wanted to play in my first grand final and be there for, to, to play in one. So I still remember a three-quarter time I was led on the ground um, because I was on the long-term injury list. And Bucks and I were the, in the huddle revving the boys up to go into the last quarter. And we got off the ground. We're going up the stairs behind um, to get up, back up to the box. And the crowd went bananas. And Geordie kicked that goal in the first. And Bucks and I just looked at each other in, in the stairwell. Um, and we're like we're on it, <coughs> yeah. and it was like this moment that we had where we're like we're actually gonna a fair chance to win a flag here, and then of course as Swanee mentioned, everyone knows everything happened, but um, it's one it was one of the great great experiences of my footy career. How
3: was it in the box in the last five minutes? Was there like yelling and screaming, like fuck? What, the, or was it just silenced because you're stunned at what's happened? Or obviously, because there's not, I imagine there's not many moves you can make. In like a minute and a half to go, like it's up. In, that's why you're up, it's in the players' hands. But was there screaming? Was there running and Was the boys, what can we do? Is there a move or was it just silence? No, it was um it
1: was very calm. So I remember after Geordie kicked that goal, Bucks and I sat down in the chairs, and then so you had um Rob Harvey was doing the mids, Brenton Sanderson was doing the forwards, and uh, Justin uh, Longmuir was doing the backs, who I was working with. Um, and there was conversations at about the. Six, minute, six- or seven-minute mark saying, righto, if this happens, what do we do? Who can we move? If this happens, what are we going to do next? Trying to see the plays before yeah. they happened. Um, and to be honest, it's a bit of a blur, but I remember that Woody ran through the mark as the runner or right. something. That was in the last quarter, and you know, Buck sort of obviously wasn't thrilled, but he didn't <laughs> go off his tree or anything. Yeah. Um, that was a big moment in the game. I think we went forward before McGovern took that mark and then they yeah. switched it down the outer side in front of the warning stand and then it, it kind of is what it is. Like, yeah. um, I think Brazzy Maynard probably should have got a free, free kick, kick before that. Yeah. And then, you know, Sheed takes that mark and it was an unbelievable kick. Um, yeah. uh, and that vision from behind behind him <laughs> it was an unbelievable set shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, that's the difference in the end mm-hmm. between a medal around your neck and, and not. It is a fascinating sliding doors, isn't it? I mean... Obviously, a lot of West Coast boys probably
2: got
3: extra extensions to their <laughs> yeah, contract. It's there yeah. in the shitter, and so basically, that, winning that fuck dick, their <laughs> their side Correct. for five their, years. Exactly. Yeah, I reckon yeah. most most players would sign
1: that contract. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: so have you spent time in a coach's box during your games?
3: Nah, No. Nah, I was basically always <laughs> playing, and when I hurt myself, was I went to Bali. <laughs> 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 nah, yeah. Johnny Johnson uh, was in there when we b- played. Um, in 07 we played in the final went Had a draw in overtime Against West Coast In the semi-final And um, he was in there and I think Me or Pendles Kicked the goal in overtime And he cheered Mick turned around and goes Get the fuck out No cheering <laughs> in my box So um, You weren't allowed to do much In mixed box But he cheered He goes get the fuck out So he tried to get out Because he cheered a goal So um, No nah, well, I wasn't a coach's box Kind of guy
2: um, What um, What for our listeners who who haven't been at the elite level, in a broader sense, what, it's, what what is it like in a coach's box in that situation?
1: Well, it's I mean it was great because I was doing some coaching uh, with the AFLW team, yep. um, and then it's just a great way to see the game differently. And the coach's box is like a, like Swanee was sort of speaking about. Most senior coaches have got their little uh, their little ways with how the box runs and what can be said and who talks and. um you know who sneezes and who farts when and where. <laughs> um, not ideal when that happens, but it's um it's it's great to see um when a box runs well and there's clear communication. You know you've got a head. We had a headset. You know uh, one of the line coaches would have a headset with you know Nick Maxwell on the bench. One would have a headset with um uh, the head of SNC on the bench. Um, there would be another phone ready to go so players can sort of come on and off and to- and talk. No Fly now likes to sit on the bench like a lot of coaches do. Um, I get the personal ability with that. Uh, but it's hard to see the game from ground level. Um, it depends what you value, I suppose. Um, and you've got to have good trust in the people up in the box if you're going to coach from the bench. Now, I've got a memory of you, I don't know if it was 2018 or maybe it was 20, um, when you were
2: injured but you run out in a clown suit at training. And Nathan laughed. <laughs> so there's two, two unique
1: things. What was the background of that? Yeah that was 2018 Um, so that was my first run coming back from my (laughs) knee and it was prelim week uh, and the boys yeah they wanted to dress me up in I went as well it was sort of just I was like a party boy but (laughs) I did look like Redfield a little bit and I did play a a LMFAO song um, and I just took the warm-up just to get the boys um, up and about really Um, it was good fun and we played well that week, I yeah, think, too. Absolutely. <laughs> no. So he,
2: it's an underrated part of footy, isn't it? Actually just enjoying that type that because Dane always says he had two hours in him a week and the rest of the time you you don't want to be heavily serious all week, do you?
1: Well, it's funny. I suppose for a player like Swanee, and I'm putting words in his mouth here, but um, the change sort of happened with being serious all the time with yeah. AFL footy, especially game day and on the field, I don't know, 2016, 17. Um, if it had been that way from the start of your career, mate, you yeah, I'm sure you would have enjoyed that a lot yeah, absolutely, more. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I think the moment was for me I remember when Richmond um they got Jack Higgins in the huddle at quarter time or three quarter time to tell a joke or a story yeah. and like they're in, like they two two goals down or something. Games on the line and they're all just having a laugh in the middle of the MCG and they go out and just tear shreds off the opposition <laughs> in the last quarter. So I think when the enjoyment and uh, smiling and having a laugh came out. It just brings the best out of most blokes because most blokes don't like to be serious all the time. Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're enjoying yourself, you're going to get, you're more productive. It's like going to work. If you hate going to work, you're going to do the bare minimum. But if you enjoy going to work, you spend a bit more time there, you work a bit harder, you go, fuck, I'll hang around because I actually enjoy being here. But if you're going oh, fuck, I'm going to get yelled at today, behind the goals footage sucks. Oh, I'm not <laughs> allowed to smile, I'm not allowed, to, you know, you just do it and you go bare minimum, and then you're out as soon as your last actual. Things done. Yep. If you enjoy it, be like, oh, fuck, a lot of the boys are going to hang around. I'll watch a video with this young kid or, fuck it, I'll do some handballing on the sprung floor or I'll get in the ice bath and sit in the spa and I'll tell some stories because it's actually an enjoyable place to be. So it's actually not rocket science, but it just took the AFL because it was such a serious business a hell of a long time to, to recognise that.
2: Because I have wondered, like, um, so was the Swans no dickhead policy, was it, and leading teams and all that? Maybe that all just completely suited that type of group. But then there are other groups that come along that – Suits suits them in different ways.
1: Yeah, I think there's certainly a place for leading teams in those type of sessions, uh, but just not all the time. Yeah. Um, And there certainly wasn't enough joking and laughing besides probably after your season had finished at Mad Monday and that week following, that was probably the most fun you had. Absolutely. Um, But to see it now, not only in (coughs) AFL, but all sports, both male and female, um, the jovial side, to bring the best out in people and their performance is great. How,
3: how, how How was the AFLW coaching them? Did you... Enjoyed? Did you see how long we did you see? Did you see a huge improvement over a year or two?
1: Yeah, it's the thing that frustrates me about AFLW is um, coming from the supporters is they judge it against AFL. It's just such a different game. Clearly, the stats and the way that it's viewed on TV is very different. Um, but they the way the where the women's game's going. They're incredible athletes and they're very skillful. Um, and you know, I've got a younger sister who played footy. Um, so I was fortunate to sort of see her grow as a person and a player, but, um, I loved it. It was great for me while I was still playing AFL to sort of tip into my coaching happened over summer. So it freed me up during the year to do other things and focus on myself just playing. But, um, I love my time in the AFLW.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's improving out of sight because
2: now now there's a generation of girls who Grew up thinking they're
1: gonna they can play AFL. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah, you know, there's girls growing up that now not only have male um, heroes playing AFL, but they've got AFLW superstars as well to sort of follow.
2: All right, well, if you come on a podcast like this, we have to ask you everything. So, and, and I was reading it, and it, gee, it was it was like it was 50 years ago. This it's for three years ago. Your recollection, please, of why you and
1: Steel might have got suspended? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a different era, it'd be fair to say. It's funny. I was actually just thinking about this two two or three days ago. And I was thinking, geez, I haven't been suspended in a while. And the last time I actually missed a game was for catching an Uber. <laughs> and it was for this incident. Um, interesting, yeah. So middle of, when were we? 2020. Um, and so the boys, I was still coming back from my knee injury. And uh, the boys played GWS or or Hawthorne in Sydney. I think it was GWS. Uh, and how he hurt his knee on the Friday. Yep. So um, he was pretty miserable as how he gets. He's he's mm-hmm. all in. He's either really happy or absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, so I drove. I could go over to his house, per the rules of the AFL. Um, I took six beers and drove. Three for me, three for him. Pretty sure my maths is right this so yeah, well, is yeah no, I right? think so, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I reckon I left my house about six p.m. Gonna have a few over, maybe dinner, drive home, all good. I get there, and um, Howie <laughs> and Steele are absolutely buckled. <laughs> sure, they won't mind me saying this. Statute of limitations. Yeah, over. exactly. Um, yeah, so they were, they were, they'd had more than six each I reckon. <laughs> and they're like, "God, oh, just." Put the beers in the fridge And tuck in mate Tuck in We'll be right We'll be right And so then um, Steel was uh, adamant That Alicia His wife Was going to pick us up And drive me home on the way Which again is fine Yeah um, And then it got to about midnight And I'm like <laughs> Oh what time's Alicia coming um, Steelo He goes Ah no nah, she's not coming <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know what that means. So I'll book the Uber, which I knew that we weren't supposed to do. But it was either drive the car home, which yeah. wasn't smart, uh, or get the Uber. I so you told you, message you're just going for three. How did that go down? No, I'd already, I'd already text, text the Dales at home. Said it's going to be, a, okay. it's going to be a night. Yeah, yeah. but I'll, well, I thought I was getting home about midnight, which okay. was fine. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, got the Uber, and then on the way, I booked the Uber on the way home. So I'm sort of um, in Carnegie. Yeah. Steelo was. Uh, um, was I'd, in Campbellwell. Did you
3: grab steel? Is still
1: kicking? Or no, no, steel's with me. So yeah. we've got him in the car to go home, and then he's out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm going to. I only go to Wellesley's, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. You're not going to Wellesley's, mate. He goes, Yeah, I'm going to go to Wellesley's. I'm like, Well, I know what I'm not doing. I'm going home. You can go to Wellesies. Yeah. And then the rest is history. So yeah. it was one of the only times I think that I went home early and <laughs> was a good boy. Thank God. Thank goodness. Because at <coughs> quarter to eight the next morning when Alicia rang me and asked where Steele was. <laughs> and I said that I didn't know. And then Jeff Walsh rang me five minutes later asking <laughs> where Steele was and what had happened. Um, yeah, that was that. So was your suspension less than Steel's So I got a week. Right. So this For catch- get Uber. this. Happened on the Saturday night But then because There was no VFL Yes I still played on The MCG Friday night In a scratch match Against Essendon Right So I couldn't be Picked that week To play ones But I still played A game of footy um, And still I've got Four weeks (laughs) Um, Yeah (laughs) It's one of the great stories. Yeah. Um, and it's, I suppose it would have been one of those uh, those packages you could sell to members and supporters <laughs> to have been in the room that night at yeah. Howe's. They, uh, they would have really enjoyed that.
2: <laughs> but that's what I meant. It, it Radio really was like it was 50 years ago. You get suspended for catching an Uber because <laughs> of certain restrictions that were in place you were partly in the bubble you weren't in the bubble other people were in the bubble just a different world wasn't it
1: yeah it was i still remember the video the zoom call that i had with the afl on the monday morning and (laughs) he was like geez you're stiff dunny usually usually you'd be given a medal or lauded for getting an uber home and not drink driving but i've got to give you a week mate i'm like it is what it is
2: and that's when ed came out and said he was proud of steel God knows why. That was an example of what Ed was like as president, wasn't it? Because it was just stuff. And I'll, I'll wear the heat for saying I'm proud of Steele because it took the heat off steel.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, good places. You always look after your own, and yep. you know, he made a mistake, but probably not the world's. No, not biggest the world's mistake. worst. You yeah, no. I'm <laughs> sure there's been players that have done worse things. You reckon? Ah, uh, yeah, I'd say so.
3: Yeah, I could name a few. <laughs> yeah. All, right? yeah,
1: are you telling... In a private
2: conversation, but I'm sure you don't mind talking about it. So, but you were saying even like post game, it's no surprise that the pies
1: embrace a
2: legend of the club. But you're saying the pies embrace you and your family now, just because you played 33 games there, and that's part of their DNA now.
1: Yeah, it's unreal. So you've got to play 100 games to be father son, and um, I did that (coughs) at Melbourne. But my boys back for Collingwood because they're younger, and that's what they saw at the back end of my career. So. With the father son, father daughter academy at the Pies, they treat all the kids like their father son, father daughter prospects until they're fifteen. Yep. So whether you can play for the club or not and be selected um, that way, um, so my boys, if they if they want to, can train at the club um, whenever they can with the rest of the academy um, until they're fifteen, and that's great. That's awesome. How's it explained to you that just because you're there, that's that's it. We look after our own. Yeah, you just. It, it, once you play one game or even if you've been on the list for one year, you're just another past player once you finish and everyone gets together and it doesn't <coughs> matter if you had a career like Swanee or um, you know a career like, I don't know, someone who's starting out like Bo McCreary, when he, if he was to finish sometime soon. Yeah. Um, everyone's treated the same and the best thing about when you finish is saying that you played for Collingwood and that you played for Melbourne and going back and reminiscing a little bit and just having <coughs> a beer with everyone. All yeah. right.
2: Well, uh, so your, your career at the D's. Uh, can I put this premise to you? I've put the Jonesy and Max before. It won't sell as well, but the book on the worst times at Melbourne will be far more interesting
1: than a book on where Melbourne's at now. It's um, <laughs> oh, I it's, it's so funny. Like oh, you, you, when you're a young person, you, you only you know what you know and what you see, um, and what you don't see and what you don't know you can't comment on. But it's looking back at how we were as a footy club. Not so much as a team, because I think every time I ran out for Melbourne, we genuinely thought we could win, mm. which is another story and another thing <laughs> in itself. But I, 100% every time I ran out for, for the Ds, I thought we could beat the opposition we were playing. Um, but what was going on at the top and behind the scenes was incredible. Um, and then, you know, to see the boys finally break that drought in 2021 um, in the middle of a lockdown uh, yeah, sitting on my couch at home with my brother. Um, it was it was no unbelievable.
3: You didn't catch any Ubers there. <laughs> nah, no Ubers that day, no, mate. No, no. And I
1: was retired then anyway, so it didn't matter.
2: But you did. So you saw the worst of it. But when you started, actually, the club was quite reasonable. You, you played under Neil Danu. What was that experience like? And what's your memories of
1: that? Yeah, well, Ruddy was probably. Um, he, wasn't, l- he wasn't Warwick McCudley back then, was he? No, nah, definitely not. If he, <laughs> if, he, if he looked at you or grunted in the hallway when, when you saw him in the morning, it was a good day. Um, <laughs> he was a great coach. Uh, very hard, very fair, um, which is the way that I like to be coached. Um, a couple of my teammates, who I won't name, were the whipping boys, um, <laughs> which always... Yeah, it's always good to watch when you're not that person <laughs> that's it. Um, but he was a great coach and then you know I still remember the conversation we had in, in his office when he gave me my first game um, a junction over there with the like I said before the rats and possums <laughs> and the asbestos just raining down here for the roof um, it's that's such a long time ago but the man what he's done for yeah. football for MND um, for people with the illness across the country has been unbelievable and you see the boys that I play with, the older boys, um, who have all jumped on, they're always on the bus, they're always driving um, you know, d- driving the, the fundraisers and the awareness with him, um, and they all just call him coach, and um, I'm I'm not in that crew, because I was so young, but it's it still makes me feel pretty special that I played with those people, and that I know those people personally,
3: because um, it's um, such a good thing. you kind of forgotten he was a coach and a player, just because of how big and enormous know, the movement, all the what he's done for MND, like you just forget that he actually was a coach and a player because of just how enormous he's been, you know, post his footy career doing, you know, something which is probably way more important than fucking kicking a ball around or yelling at young men trying to kick a ball. So, um, yeah, he's been phenomenal. And how he hasn't won like, Australian of the year or Victorian in the year has got me beat when Fucking old mate. Um, what's his name? Who won it this Brett year? Sutton. Brett Sutton. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> fucking beautiful. Well, there was a man who did win Time Person of the Year a long time ago. What well uh, was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't like the for name different, For we, different reasons. Exactly. So. <laughs> we don't like to name names. We don't want <laughs> to drop his name anywhere. But.
2: So my, my heat chart with you was because of what type in Coterie. The, when you joined the club, the big thing was a Coterie Golf Weekend and it was during the year. How's this for, compared to 2023? Sp- I've spoken to Brock McLean about this on this pod. That once a year, the D's would play on a Friday night and then the boys would come up and with the Coterie, we'd get blind drunk and play, play a game of golf and everyone was all in. That was your first experience at the Coterie, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's
1: funny, um, <laughs> coming into the tennis club today, the, the last time I was here was for a Calcutta of the Coterie, right. which was a long <laughs> time ago. Um, and we weren't drinking that night. That was midweek during the se- uh, just in the preseason, But But... Um, Yeah, the golf weekends were infamous um, at the D's with the Coterie boys. I still remember that uh, one night we would usually go to Sorrento or somewhere and end up at the Conti. Uh, And Brock, who you mentioned, he's the first man I think of every time. We played on the Friday night. He would run 17, 18 Ks in a game. And then I remember one night... He couldn't get a taxi home, and he ran the twelve k's home from Sorrento back out to the uh, Rosebud, back out to Rosebud, <laughs> and then played golf and probably had, had a half an hour to an hour's sleep. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know how he hit him that day, but how many balls he was saying. But uh,
2: the uh, so uh, Dean Bailey was your next full time coach after Neil. Yep. What was your memories there?
1: Yeah, you um, saw there were
2: sparks of real genuine talent in, the, in that team.
1: Yeah, I think when Bales got the job. Um, that was when everything was happening above his head, yes. and he wasn't able to um, coach or drive the club the way that he wanted to. If Bales had to have the same reign that um, that Neelty had when he came, he would have been. He could have been a premiership coach, and that's easy to say yep. because we were a basket case. But he was the new age coach of teaching players and educating players around the game, rather than having Danes who was sort of old school, rah rah, yep, emotional more emotionally driven and you know we'd have two-hour meetings like most sort of clubs in the mid-2000s but if Bales had had the same run that Nealdy got when he got to our club he would have been an unbelievable coach Uh, and he was still good but just more from the teaching sort of background so you played in that infamous game did you at Geelong? I did, yeah. I kicked yeah. two of our seven that day. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone, whoever, uh, if anyone ever asked me, did you play in that game? It's my response every time. I played role that
2: day. It wasn't my fault.
3: Voting a B and F, kicking two
2: of the seven. <laughs> I couldn't believe looking this up that you kicked 97 goals. I reckon there were years when Melbourne didn't kick
1: 97 goals. A team. Well, I never kicked 97 in a season. No, I know. <laughs> but yeah. even
2: in your career. But um, So what, it, from an outsider, it looked like there was just never a connection between coach and, and
1: team with Mark Nield's group. Yeah, it was it was um, it was strange because Newity came in and had his way of the way that he wanted to do things, and he he was at Collingwood yeah. with Swanny. Um, from all reports, was a great line coach, um, had great relationships with the players. Um, as a, he wanted to bring Collingwood into Melbourne straight away, and we just didn't have the cattle on the park to do that. Um, and you spoke about like the army camp sort yeah. of style before. Our we would run in preseason pre-training. And everyone would wonder why we were such shit kicks During the year (laughs) It's because we did all our running before training All the charts would go straight onto the board Post training Everyone would be comparing themselves Who ran where Who did this Who did that And we couldn't play footy (laughs) Um, And then Round one My hundred My hundred Nealty's first game as coach was my 100th game, and I did my hamstring in the last five minutes. So I sat in the coach's box for the first time in round two, and that's when we lost to Essendon by 147 <laughs> points. So that was fun. Um, yeah, different I think... To, different to boxes? Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, yeah, that was something to say. I'm happy I didn't play in that one. <laughs> um, Watch
2: your memories from the coaches box. Come on,
1: oh, I, that night, not much. Like I, I remember from about the 10 minute mark of the first quarter, we were just absolutely nowhere, and Newity, was his head was spinning. Like yeah. he just didn't. He wasn't used to that sort of thing. We were, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was just another Saturday night for us. Um, but the, I suppose when you look back at that game. Oh, i watched that game, but we that game in Geelong that you spoke about, we still lost by another 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie J kicked seven and had 35 that day on Cole Garland, which I every time I see Garland, it's the first thing I mention. It's a, it's a good
3: day. It's a good day. <laughs> so
2: here's, here's a – well, I'll put to you. So you mentioned about Jack Higgins and you, you running out and giving the boys a laugh. Isn't it that when you need humour and you probably – but if you if you brought humour to a club going bad like North Melbourne the last couple of years or whatever – the media would kill you.
1: <laughs> well, I but think that's probably what's needed. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a time and place, but yeah, I think you know, for any team that's struggling, whether it's game day or throughout the season, yeah, if you see someone smile, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I think we've moved on from that. Yes. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you just <laughs> spiral out of control.
3: <laughs> Even like when players get criticised for having a smile after the game, like shaking the hand of like, you know, their mate who they might have played with or they've grown up with after a game you get beat. And you're just, Oh mate, oh, no you fucking have a laugh or reminiscing about whatever and the gets magnified and someone on footy classified on Monday night we go, This is a this is a horrible look. They've just been beaten in a final, they've just they've been beaten by seventy points, disgusting, like how can they be smiling? So mate, well, we're fucking human. And like everyone gets told you don't carry your losses and that with you. But once the game's over, the game's over. It's just just the game, like yeah. if I see me mate, I'm gonna say hello and go, fuck. Like you know, talk about what happened in game or what are you doing at night. If you have a smile, well, you know, so be it. That's it. Uh, what
2: what changed as a supporter? I thought I always thought the most important recruit Melbourne ever had was Peter Jackson. And his first interview, he said, "I had to be talked into wearing club tie, and I don't want to be a supporter. I want to be in. Ch- I want to do a job and leave. And I like that, just as a supporter, because we had supporter CEOs. I don't want supporter CEOs. I wanted a businessman. And then he was able to get Rusey, and then from there it went upwards. Off-field off as, a, as a fan, but what
1: was it like as a player? Um, oh, it was nice to have some direction uh, and some clarity in where we were moving as a footy club because we'd been spinning our wheels for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to get Roozy come across was big. Um, you know, what what gr- first struck you with that about how he goes about it? It's probably how basic the game actually is. Um, I still... That yeah,
3: it's a, it's a simple game. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's... Ruzi's biggest things as a coach was if you have... I think it's... If you have 12 missed tackles in a game, you lose 95% of the time. Um, or if you fumble 10 ground balls. How many missed tackles did you have, Dave?
3: Well, not many because I didn't have many tackles. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... so not, probably probably I was probably on the... I was, a, <laughs> I was, I was an elite <laughs> non-miss tackler just because... I was the late zero tackler. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> <No, that's laughs> wasn't, wasn't a strength of mine, the old tackling. Sorry it's hard to tackle when you got the ball, <laughs> <Yeah>. mate. <laughs> yeah. I
2: did that lob. Sorry, go on
1: about reaching. Yeah, so it's just how basic the game was um, yeah. and how important playing your role for the team is. And it's something I always valued as a player was making sure that game day, you do what you say you're going to do so that your mates around, you can do their job as well. And uh, the best part about playing footy is singing the song. So everything for me always pointed to getting everything done so that you could sing the song after the game. Um but he was just very basic in his mythology, very, very um you know, he's very calm, you know, he's Tammy, his wife is, you know, into yoga and meditation and clairvoyant, um, which I sort of enjoy as well, that that that, <laughs> that space. Um it's probably for another show, that one. Um but yeah, he was a a big name in footy to come to our footy club and um yeah, he was just he was so different to how he's perceived in the media. He's very, he's very sure of himself. And yeah. Paul Ruse is all about Paul Ruse, but he's got time <laughs> for everyone. I still got a great relationship with him. I text him, off. I would say frequently. He's over in Hawaii and um and uh, LA at the moment. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed my time with with Rusey. So fast forward to the end when when the D's
2: not the end, but when the D's win the premiership and you're on the couch, you, you must have thought, "Fuck Max and Tommy Mac." Oh, oh they were with me when. when we were completely shit. So that must have added something to, to the enjoyment of watching
1: it. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I, I played with a lot of the boys. That yeah. like Neil Bullen, Brayshaw, um, Clary, Track, um, yeah, Brayshaw, Maxie, Harmsey. a lot of these players, uh, Salem. Um, yeah, it was, it meant a lot to me as well and yes. to the Melbourne supporters. You know, the last, I was sick of saying it, but, you know, 64 was a long time since the last <laughs> Tell one. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And to to see the boys get it done, like for me, the the my, one of great memories was Clary kicking that for the fourth centre bounce goal in a row, and just pointing up to the up to the stands like this, and it was like holy holy hell, the boys are going to do it. Like it it actually is possible. Like it's not it's not some foreign object that can just be spoken about. Like the boys are actually going to win the flag. Yeah. Uh,
2: all right. So you're neutral tomorrow night. But in, uh, in in closing, what what's life for you now, and what's footy life for
1: you now? Um, yeah, footy life. So I'm playing coaching at the Caulfield Bears. Yep. Um,
3: first year as senior coach. Um, so, so you said before, coaching, was that always, since you went into player development management. When did you decide to shift from welfare to coaching?
1: Well, I'm still, I suppose more of a job. I'm still interested in the welfare side yeah. of things, but I certainly love coaching and I think I see the game very well. So um, it's good that you can be a senior coach at local level and still... Have another role. You find it frustrating, or do you
3: have to dumb oh, yourself absolutely. down a bit. Oh, absolutely, but it's it's <laughs> absolutely. because you come from the AFL <laughs> where you people get things allowed and the ball moves the way it should. But especially in second division, like and I've played in some pretty ordinary sides over the last couple of <laughs> years, like being encourage encouraged to you pull your area because you're trying to give like just simple things. I even just like if you're marking the left back pocket, please switch to just look to the right. Just look <laughs> at least, but it'd be frustrating.
1: So. Yeah, I was I was certainly aware of the frustration, so it's nothing that I didn't yeah. see coming. But yeah, my messaging as a coach, I think, is the same from the day one of pre-season when I met the yeah. boys to when we finished round 18 the other week. Um, you know, I say the same thing every week, three times a week. <laughs> uh, like you're saying, it, you know, it takes time for the, for the penny to drop um, and you've got to sow the seeds. So we had a bit of a frustrating year. Yeah. I played 50 blokes in my senior side this Jeez. year, which is a lot. Yeah. Did you play? Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. be that silly to play. No, to played, uh, twice. I, well, no, I did my knee again this year, <laughs> other one, uh, which was good for my coaching because I could actually sit on the side and yeah. um, just watch the game and sort of tip. Well, it how how early into the year? Uh, round four. Did you kick the bag before then? Well, I, I did it 10 minutes into the second, was kick four goals too. Four, <laughs> here we go, we're on here. I've never kicked 10 in my career, so yeah. I was like licking my lips and then next minute, crack and Boom. pop. yeah um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, that is what it is. So I'll, I'll yeah, there again next year. Yeah, I'll be there again next year and hoping to play again. A bit yeah. of water to go under the bridge. Yeah, um, and then yeah, I've been in cricket Victoria recently as PDM, <coughs> um, and then my wife she's recently changed roles as well. So I've had a bit of time at home with the kids and helping her transition yeah. and trying to look to see what's next.
2: Well, ideally, what career would you like for yourself now? In, in uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love post-trail. to stay in
1: high performance sport. Yeah. Um, once I when I finished playing, I got into logistics into a. Um, um yeah into a broking um (coughs) company and i didn't really enjoy my time there um one of my biggest things is for people is everyone asks when you're playing footy what are you going to do next what are you going to do when you retire but i never knew yeah um so it's about doing things that you don't enjoy and sort of moving on pretty quickly (laughs) but once i got back into the high performance room at creek victoria um i knew that's where i wanted to be and what i wanted to do because you just miss that well, good on you. We uh, a fantastic
2: career, and we really appreciate you giving you up your time to come in here. Thanks, thanks, for thanks mate. Really Cheers. enjoyed
3: it. All right, good. good stuff.
2: Lit and done. Wow.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.